radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. They're going to try here, rushing the center and down the lane. It is Marshall scores! Marshall scores! And the Edmonton Oilers are going to move on. The Dallas Stars have been eliminated. Curtis Joseph, the hero tonight. And then Marshall, the icing on the cake. Laced up a hockey podcast with uh, back-to-back Bob Cole yeah. uh, intros. Well, but uh, of course, the last time Ken Hitchcock had anything to do with the uh, Edmonton Oilers. I am Bruce Dickinson, and uh, I gotta have more cowbell, baby. Always. Yeah. Love a good, love a good cowbell intro. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Bruce Battaglia. Yeah. Um, James Cole. And yes, yeah, I already said yeah, that. Laced up, yeah. yeah, so uh, there we are, the Oilers from uh, from what year? Ninety seven. Ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Blue Hitchcock. Oyster called. Yeah, yeah. With don't fear the reap. Yeah, we'll get to Ken Hitchcock that's, in a second. That's, that's I can't believe I we're going to talk week, about uh, that tonight. You know, uh, you know, a lot of coaches out there don't don't fear the reaper. You know, I, I know there's been a lot of firings lately, but God. keep a keep a level head. This is, this is a terrible league. This is a terrible league. But I have to say, no greater coach opening and potential coach hiring as that of Condoleezza Rice to the Cleveland Browns. Who's that, Brutes? <laughs> okay. So to, to preface this a little bit, for those of you, this is a, this is a football story. Okay, so the Cleveland Browns are in need of a head coach. They had Hugh Jackson was their head coach. Hugh Jackman. Uh, I think they won two games in three years with him as the head coach. Some unnamed players on the team have compared him to Michael Scott of The Office. And uh, so they got rid of him. They have Greg Williams, uh, who is the interim, who... For those of you, again, this is a hockey podcast, so if you don't know, Greg Williams used to be, uh, I, I think, a defensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints, and uh, he was caught uh, paying players to uh, illegally take out other players during the game. So now he's their head coach. Now he's like the interim. They need to they need to find someone else to do the job. And in comes possibly to to interview for the team is a former United States Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. Uh, for those of you who don't know Condi, she was in office from January 26, 2005 to January 20th, 2009 in the George W. Bush administration. Uh, she likes football, but she's never worked in football. This is the most bizarre sports news story I've seen in my lifetime. Do you think she stands for the anthem? 
Should be the should be the first female head coach in the in the NFL, and the youngest. She'd be the youngest female head coach in the history of the NFL. She'd be the first black female head coach in the history of the NFL, and she would probably be the first NFL head coach that has no experience in football of any kind. She didn't coach Pee Wee back in. No, no, not that I know of. Okay, not that I know of. Um, so what? What is her so thinking here? Well, so a lot of people have said the news story might not be true, but it was reported by I think Adam Schefter, who is the hockey or sorry the football equivalent of Bob McKenzie. Like yeah. if if Schefter's breaking news, something like there's truth to it. So I I'm I'm. I'd love to. It'd be like Bob McKenzie tomorrow tweeting out John Chrétien to manage Montreal Canadiens. More or less. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> what a thought. Yeah. Jean Poutine. Mm. Yes. Um. So this this made my weekend, and I just had to share this with everyone. No, thanks for sharing. This is great news. Yep. That was a great little piece of show and tell. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. I hope should it happens. Everybody, uh, should have everybody Fieldhouse in to comment on the Browns. Oh, yeah, uh, big Browns coaching. fan. Yeah. yeah, maybe, well, he, there's no way he knows who Condoleezza Rice is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, she's a she's a popular, um, you know, polit- like pop culture figure, too. Like, she's made appearances in some shows. She was in an episode of 30 Rock, you know. Sure. Good show. Uh, she is a member of the college football playoff selection committee. Like, she knows football. She's a football fan. But, like, yeah, I don't know. In the same way we know hockey. I guess. Yeah. But you and I aren't interviewing for any NHL head coaching jobs at the moment. Not yet. Well. a few that we just missed out on. You better believe I'm going to be floating my resume out there next week. That's for sure. I'll wait till next week. Uh... Also, we went to see the Glorious Sons last night, yeah. as we promised yeah. on the uh, bonus episode, the Miracle Commentary, which you may have not gotten to yet. That might be more of a weekend listen for you, uh, but that should be out before this, we're, we're thinking. So, yeah. What'd you think of the show, Jimmy? Pure energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't see a lot of bands have that much fun playing in Thunder Bay, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, so what I didn't know till yesterday, and you didn't know, and I don't think a lot of people know, knew, and probably still don't know, most of Brett, the lead singer's family, actually is from Thunder Bay. Are they, are they from or do they just live here? Yeah, oh. well, I mean, I'm assuming from, because a lot of them live here. So, That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if 20 of them defected up north, really. <laughs> so... I don't know, but he, he, he made mention, because I, I went back and I read an interview from 2015 with him uh, when they came to town and we went to see them at Crocs that year, was uh, that he comes up here fishing every year, and he and he always has. So I'm assuming that they've, they've always kind of lived here, but that's kind of cool that he's got a, a connection to Thunder Bay, and uh, maybe they'll actually come back someday as they continue their ascension into the great Canadian rock band. Yeah. Um, I tweeted out last night, they, they, are, they are the Rolling Stones of Canada. Uh, they are Kells, of course, I would consider the Beatles of Canada. And 
Not to say one's better than the other. <laughs> they're just doing different things, you know? They're doing good things. But the Glorious Sons are... Uh, I feel like they're still kind of underrated to some degree, countrywide. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, so that was the thing I was thinking last night at the show was... I had a feeling that the show was going to do pretty well because like they get, they get pretty heavy play on the radio here in Thunder Bay. And again, like he mentioned that he had quite a bit of family there last night. I, I, many times throughout the show last night though, I couldn't help but look around at the auditorium, look at the fact that it was, it was basically sold out. Like if there were not many, I didn't see empty seats. There may have been a few, but I was looking behind me in the balconies and everything. I didn't, I didn't see any. And it just, it blew my mind to think of that. Yeah. And we saw them three years ago with about 110 people at Crocs. And they've put out one album and a few songs since then. Like, they haven't really done a ton. And they are just ascending into this super stardom really, really quickly. And I've seen it happen before. I'm really hoping they, A, take very take well to it. But, uh, but B, I hope it doesn't stifle their creativity, too. I want them to kind of keep being themselves and putting out the same type of music that they've continued to put out, which is some pretty good stuff. Yeah. I'd see them again. Yeah. Actually, and then they played a new song last night. Two. Definitely one. Yeah. I, I, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess it was one in the encore, too. Yeah. And, uh, they played one in, like, the main set, and it was fantastic. And the one in the encore wasn't bad either. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of. I was listening to it. I'm like, ah, oh, this is okay. And yeah. by the end of it, it's like, oh, this has got kind of like a Give me something there. nice little, nice little groovy maybe beat little, there to it. A little polish, maybe by the time you hit the studio. Yeah, you know, you write know, a lot of these songs get written on the road, and yeah, then, you know, you finalize yeah. them and yeah, hundred percent. You know, I was reading some of well to go back to the Arkells too of how they finalized uh, "Show Me Don't Tell Me." And some of the ideas they had initially for the song, yeah. I was like, ah, yeah. yeah. Kind of glad they went the way they went with that, because that's one of my favorite songs of theirs, and there some of go. the ideas were not too good, but yeah, so good all-around show. It's a good time. I enjoyed it. If you ever have the opportunity to check out the Glorious Sons in, the, uh, in a city near you, I would recommend it. They are not a sponsor of the podcast. No. But they may as well be. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. Maybe we'll get him up when he's uh, fishing here next summer. Maybe with Airedale. On a... <sighs> yeah, maybe with Airedale, James. Um... Okay, hockey? Sure. Hockey? Let's <laughs> that's, that's do it. Okay, there's a lot to talk about. I feel like uh, we have maybe eight things to talk about, and of those eight, uh, we're probably going to spend 95% of the episode talking about one thing, but <laughs> whatever, let's, let's get into this. Okay, two coaching firings. I'm going to start with the possibly less intriguing of the two, in my opinion, which is Mike Yo. Uh, gets fired in St. Louis. Now, a lot of people uh, on the internet and, and on radio and everything were commenting about how this kind of caught them off guard. Not so much me. In fact, I think I said last week on the podcast, or you said, or both of us, one of us definitely, uh, that we saw this coming. And, and my thought for the past couple weeks is that ship is not going to get righted until um, until there's a change in the way that they play their game. Because the, the way that the Blues play this season has been a catastrophe from every game that I've watched. So, uh, they hire Yo, or sorry, fire Mike Yo. But maybe the more interesting part of the move is the interim head coach is Craig Berube, who uh, now... Berube. Was he... <laughs> yeah. Was he... He was on 
Was he on the staff? He was the assistant coach, wasn't he? He must have been. Because uh, I, th- I think I saw something about that. That was the reason why. Yeah. They're I, trusting him. I guess so. Yeah. They also, I don't know if you saw this, because this is the this is the part that I thought was kind of even more interesting. They've added Larry Robinson as like an associate coach for the next three weeks, specifically. Three weeks. Huh. Didn't see Didn't, that. Wasn't like for the foreseeable future, or you know what I mean, for... The next, the next few, like for three yeah, weeks. What St. the hell is going to happen in three weeks? So if yeah. you need me, yeah, exactly. Larry's like, well, I usually go down to St. Louis visit the sister till the start of the new year. It's like, okay, well, you want to help out with the Blues while you're here? That's wild. I, I didn't hear that about that at all. Yeah, kind of weird. I thought he was still in L.A. So Larry Robinson? Yeah, was he coaching L.A. earlier this year? De- coaching, no. No? Okay. Coaching, no. Okay. Uh, maybe he was in the front office. I'll look that up. But, um, what did you think of the Yo firing? Well, I get it. Like, if anyone was going to go in the league, I, I feel like he was probably at the top of the list. Um, I, I still kind of wonder about the additions they made in the offseason and whether, you know, whether, you know, the roster really had time to come together and figure itself out and i guess 20 games in you should you should have it figured out by that point but they did they did have a massive like overhaul in terms of their offensive core at least um a lot of that i think falls on the shoulders of brian elliott or not brian elliott uh, jake allen as well he's not a great goalie um i don't like blaming the coach for having a bad goalie that's he's working with what he has um, lost Huts there last season, who I think they really relied on. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's completely just, but I get it. They are not without their their roster issues. That's for sure. I mean, it's it, this happened really quickly, but it's getting to be time for Jay Bomeister to look into coaching. Into yeah, coaching or filing some sort of a retirement paper. Um, because he he is not he's a shell of his former self, and uh, maybe over little over a year ago, he was still a pretty fine defenseman in the league. So I mean it's uh, you know that doesn't help. You talk about their goaltending issues. I don't disagree with you there. Um, you know I it's it's a it's a weird argument when you get into goaltending because I think a good enough team should be able to find a way with a decent enough goaltender to win in the league. And I think, not myself, which is going to sound weird because I'm about to defend Jake Allen, I don't think Jake Allen's a good goaltender. But there are a lot of people around the league that seem to defend this guy over and over again. So, I don't know if maybe I'm seeing something that other people don't and I'm right, but I feel like I must be wrong because I'm in the minority that has always thought Jake Allen is a flaming pile of dog shit but he had <laughs> to, a couple to put it years, lightly but i i yeah. didn't i didn't buy it i didn't buy it he looked like hammond to me he was just the right goalie at the right time i didn't buy it i never bought it i, I never thought he was good but that's neither here nor there um so you know but at some point i would think that if people think he's a decent goaltender that you should be able to kind of win with him um in net 
J.B. Bowmeister on the final year of a uh, $5.4 million deal here as well. Yeah, like they they missed the playoffs last year, but I think that was just a, a result of being in a tough division. Like, you look at their record, you know, like I, I don't see a lot of problems with the team last year other than the fact that they just happened to be in the same division as, you know, Winnipeg, Nashville, and Colorado, who just had great all-around seasons. So, yeah, someone's got to miss the playoffs and just the way the standings work. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think Mike Yo is a capable head coach. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll be back sooner than later. I don't know about you. But he's young enough. He's not, uh, you know, he, he has never had a, a bad track record, really. Like, this was going to be on pace for his worst season as a head coach by a, by a wide margin. So, I don't know. I'm wondering if this isn't uh, Doug Armstrong's way of trying to save his own job by playing his last card. Um, well, Doug Armstrong kind of lost my faith a few years ago uh, because this is going to get back to my main point and how I feel about Mike Yo. I, uh, I didn't like the Ken Hitchcock-Mike Yo thing. I thought that was weird. I never thought Mike Yo was the right fit there. He brought in Mike Yo. It never really worked for me from what I saw. Um, you know, because they had some pretty damn good teams that really went nowhere uh, in terms of long-term success anyway. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Our Armstrong, I mean, it's not like he's done a terrible job with the roster either. But like you said, and going back to it, like the goaltending is a obvious point of contention because you've had Jake Allen in the net for years. He's never really been good enough uh, to, you know, get too excited about. You had Carter Hutton, who is the closest thing you've looked, you've had to looking like a solid goaltender in years. You let him walk for, you know, for better or for worse. I don't know. But now you're stuck with Chad Johnson, Jake Allen. I don't know where you find a solution there in net. I don't know if you can make those two work. I, I, I think their team is good enough that they should be able to play with almost anyone in net, but, um, you know, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there in terms of who ends up being there long term. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know. I, I, I do, do you think that this is opening up the door for Quenville coming back, maybe? Well... The way I see it, and okay, so now I'm going to ask you a a question here, is can you explain again how it works with Quenville in terms of hiring? Like, what's the process like again? So So, they have, like, the Blues have to negotiate, the Blues hypothetically have to negotiate with the Blackhawks on how much of Quenville's salary they're willing to pay? Kind of. Is that what it is? The the Blackhawks, in in a way, hold all the cards. Because Quenville's got, I don't know, it's two or three years, whatever it is, left in his contract. He's still employed by the team, technically. Like, the contract wasn't nullified by his firing, which I find kind of confusing. But the way it works is, if the Blues want to hire him, they have to come to the Blackhawks and say, hey, we want to we want to hire Joel Quenville. And the Blackhawks, I can't see them saying, like, no. Like, if, if Joel wants to go and coach with St. Louis and... I'm sure they're going to like let him follow the career path that he, you know, he's choosing. But the Blackhawks can say to the Blues if they want, sure we'll let him coach with you guys, but geez, 
we really don't want to have to pay his $6 million for the next two years. Can you guys cover 40% of it or 60% of it or the whole damn thing if they want? And if the Blues say, like, no, we're going to hire him for $6 million of our own. We're not paying half of your mistake that you guys made in firing him. Then Joel Quenville doesn't get to coach in St. Louis and he still makes $6 million. So the Blackhawks kind of hold all the cards. They just, they can decide what they want to do about how they pay Joel Quenville. Okay. So, wait, but when, like, it doesn't matter who they fucking sign the checks to at the end of the day, though, right? Like, for the Blues, they they should just be worried, like, whether or not they're dating it or signing it $3 million to the Blackhawks and $3 million to Quenville, or all $6 million goes to Quenville, like, what's the difference? Well, because they're going to sign their own separate contract with Quenville. Oh, so they have to basically buy his rights from Chicago and then sign a separate yeah, contract. Like, like it's yeah. Like he's Dice K. Matsuzaka or something. Right. So being a divisional uh, rival, yeah. I can see the Blackhawks okay. making a bit of a fuss, you know? Yeah. We don't want to pay this guy $6 million for you to have him on your staff and coach against us. Well, so and that does kind of lead me to what I thought when I saw this move and saw that it wasn't Quenville immediately, and I saw that it was an interim and that Larry Robinson's coming on for a little bit, is that it seems to me that this is buying time for the Blues to negotiate something with the Blackhawks. Sure. That's that's how I saw it. Because I don't understand... I don't understand, A, why you fire Yo if you're not looking to make something out of this season. And if you are looking to make something out of this season, why the fuck do you name an interim head coach when Quenville, when Vino, and now McClellan, but they didn't know that at the time, are out there and are available? Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, just... If well, you're looking for a quick fix, yeah. call Elaine Vino. Well, what are you doing? Vino for sure. Quenville's another another matter. He might, maybe he's you know wanting to take a little bit of time. Well, I'd, himself, I'd rather so. Quenville. Yeah, but that's what I mean, right? Yeah. Like I get, I get that there's more there. Like Vino's ready to go, man. You'd have to call Elaine Vino. He he's fucking flying to St. Louis today. Sure. So I don't understand why if you're looking for a quick fix, you don't fu- you don't work that out. So that's why to me, there's an interim head coach coming in. I think that's for them. To buy some time t- to figure out who is going to be the long-term solution here, and to work basically to work out a, a contract with Joel Quenville. For like, it's different from the Kings situation, right? Like the Kings just kind of are at a point of existential crisis. They don't know what the hell they're doing, so that's why they just name Willie Desjardins the coach. It's because they need to figure out a guy that knows how to fucking sign the lineup card every night. You know what I mean? Run a practice, blow his whistle, show up and talk to the media every day. Like th- that's all that is. Baruby makes no sense to me. No. As a an, an interim tag makes even less sense to me if you're the Blues. Then why even bother firing Yo? Right. Like just just fucking tank the season if that's what you're looking to do then. Why does Mike Yo need to go now? So that that's why I think I I think that was right when I saw that. That's Quenville. Do you in 3 weeks to do you, do you think to the, 6 weeks? Do you think the Blues approached uh, Hitchcock at first? <laughs> imagine uh so i mentioned to someone i worked with today that ken hitchcock was back in the nhl and what team uh, what team do you think he's coaching and that person's first answer was st louis and i died laughing and i said no but they also fired their head coach today yeah 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 um yeah i don't know ken can't keep him out of the game i guess back with a vengeance all right so 
I, I think we're done with St. Louis there. It just doesn't make any yeah, sense, really. It, does, it makes no sense, and I don't know. I, I, I think Yo's back sooner than later. I don't know about you, but... No. No? No. Uh, well, not head coaching. Okay. I, I'd be pretty surprised if I ever see him as a head coach again. Really? He's like Gullitson. I think he's done. He he lost his shit a few years ago, and Bilesma, I guess, same idea. Like, they, they just... At some point, they a screw fell out, and I don't think you're going to find that replacement screw again. They all kind of just lost their mind, I think. Yo, to me, was never the same since he lost his mind in that in that practice in Minnesota. He was never quite the same guy. You'd listen to him in interviews, and he just seemed so much more edgy in St. Louis, I thought. like Not that you'd see him do a ton of interviews, because it's St. Louis. Right. But, <laughs> but when you did, it was, uh, I don't know. He, he didn't really seem like the same guy to me. But... Uh, Speaking of making no sense, <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers have relieved head coach Todd McClellan after, uh, what is it, four years of service. Um, they have hired Ken Hitchcock as the, not interim, the actual head coach of the team. Uh, coming out of retirement, Kenny Hitchcock. Now, my first thought when I saw that was, do you think that maybe the owner was like, hey, Daryl Cates sat Peter Shirelli down and was like, Pete, you know, I think I think it's I think Todd's run his course here. And he's like, well, you know, who am I going to replace him with? Like, what am I going to do? And Daryl says, well, I don't know if you know, but there is a f- the future Hall of Fame coach with a nice gray mustache that's just waiting to be hired. And Pete's like, I know exactly what you're thinking. And he ran out of the office and he called Ken Hitchcock, thinking that that was the coach he was talking about when actually Daryl Cates wanted Joe Quenville. <laughs> the only flaw with your, your, your idea there, um, I don't know if Cates uh, knows his GM's first name. <laughs> you hope not. Oh, yeah. God. You would hope not. Like, uh... Cates likes the team, too, so I don't know. That's the weird thing. Like, he's a real owner who's just into it. This but. is the thing. This is the thing. Um, the Edmonton Oilers called Joel Quenville. They they called him. They said, Joel, ah, you want to come coach? Hi, this is Joel. The best hockey player in the world. And Joel said, I'd love to. And they said, that's fantastic. Um, we're up here in Edmonton. <laughs> We'd love to have you on as soon as we can. We just relieved our, our former head coach. And uh, when can you start? And Joel replied back to, um, well, I don't have much on the go right now. Just been tailgating at the Bears game. Yeah. <laughs> but out of curiosity, who is this? And Pete Shirelli had to say, oh, it's Pete Shirelli. And Joel Quenville hung up the phone. Because no one in the right mind would want to go work for Pete Shirelli. You want to come coach the Oilers? Ah, uh, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I got season tickets to the Bears. That I got to keep going to yeah, so I'll see you guys in January, maybe. Ken Ken Hitchcock did not get a phone call from Pete Shirelli. I can tell you that he got a he got a phone call from his buddy Bob Nicholson, who said, "Ken, yeah, we'd like you to come coach." That was kind of what I thought. And too. Ken said, "I'll come coach. Just keep that freak away from me. Tell him not to make any more goddamn trades. Don't without, sign without anybody. talking to me. Yeah, without talking to me. Yeah, because like, I'm not. I'm. I. I, I don't know how you're." How how are you, Ken Hitchcock, and you're coming to work for that guy in Edmonton? Yeah, like I don't I don't get it. 
Yeah, you'd have to think, too, that uh, at some point, Hitch is going to have some say into what goes on with this roster. Because I think Hitch has coached long enough that he earns some of that right. Now, whether or not that's the way it's going to work, I don't know. Because at the end of the day, that was kind of the the undoing of Joel Quenville in Chicago was eventually, you know... I don't want to say that this is this is what happened. Like, don't take this as me reporting this like I have sources telling me this or anything like this. But my understanding from everything I've read is basically Quenville got tired of telling Stan Bowman to go fuck himself every day. And Stan Bowman got tired of going and telling Joel Quenville to go fuck himself every day. And basically they decided to split that up. Which is fair. So that's fair, but like I, I, I don't know if Hitchcock takes this job without knowing what's going on. Like he, he's would. retired. Why would he? he like, he's got nothing to gain from the. He literally yeah. has a legacy to ruin at this point, Does, and he kind of already coached too long as it was when he went to Columbus, which was yeah. like four teams ago, three yeah. teams ago. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, why don't you just pack it in?" This is ten years later. He's still coaching. What are we doing here? Does he live in Edmonton or something? Like, does, no! Is he just sitting around no! with nothing to do? No, he does not live teams? in Edmonton. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, I get it. Like, like that was a weird transition. I don't get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> I understand. Oh, he does live in Edmonton. <laughs> nice. We're doing great here. Uh, um, he doesn't have a mustache I, anymore. I understand the allure of, like, let's go coach Connor McDavid. Because, like, how exciting would that be? Like, you get Connor McDavid... Yeah, in his prime. Like let's let's roll the dice. Yeah. Sure, but the management there, like the uh, from top to bottom, I, I don't get where this organization thinks it's going. Like, did I miss something? Did like does Connor McDavid play all five positions on the ice when he's out there? I don't watch a lot of Oilers games. You can you can let me know if he's out there well, playing goal and blocking shots and killing penalties, but. What's what's gonna happen with McDavid now is Hitch is gonna try to teach him how to play better in his own end. Sure. And to a degree, my concern is is that really a player where you wanna stifle any creativity? Like it wouldn't be for me. No. And you know me, like I am actually of the Ken Hitchcock mind. Sacrifice some of your creativity for being better all around. But I don't know if I would tell Connor McDavid that because the things that that guy can do is un- unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, that does kind of concern me if maybe, I don't want to say this, but if he's going to, to some degree, sort of ruin Connor McDavid. Yeah. Um, now, whether or not, now maybe if he turns him into that kind of player, maybe it will be beneficial. I don't know. You may turn him into an Iserman or, uh, or you know what I mean, a Madano or something. But... And that's the other uh, thing about Hitchcock. Is that, like, though, that was the mid two or mid nineteen nineteen nineties. Holy shit! I couldn't spit that out. Yeah, that was the mid nineteen nineties. It's two thousand eighteen now. Do do we need to do that anymore though? Yeah. Like, do like, we need to look, develop look at, that kind of dis- of centerman? I don't know. Look at his resume. He's never really coached anyone in this tier. Uh, Madano, I think, is maybe the closest you're, you're talking. And no disrespect to Mike Madano, but he he was never what you would call the best at his position when he played. Uh, no, not really. He coached the Flyers for a few years there in the early 2000s. They didn't have a lot to work with. Like, it was after the Lindros era. It was before the Giroux era. Not a lot there to work with. 
He goes to Columbus. The tail end of Rick Nash's career. Yeah, nothing to work with. Nothing right. there. And then you're in St. Louis. And, yeah, okay, he, he did some good things with St. Louis, but that was a team that won by committee. That was never, uh, we're built around, you know, one guy here in St. Louis, and this is our guy, and this is the guy that's going well, to take us Well, I win. think that was the right roster for Ken Hitch. Exactly. I think Hitch yeah. did a really good job there, to be honest with you. What what The point I'm making is that he's, he's never been like a one-horse player kind of coach. He's never coached a team where no. it's on this guy and you have a superstar and make him flourish, make the guys around him good enough to play with him. He's never had to do that before. So the thought may be that hopefully Hitch is going to use McDavid to his advantage and kind of help turn these other guys into these complete teams Maybe. that he's built before. Yeah. Mm, my problem is, is, and this is kind of insane that we're already saying this about the Oilers, that's not the youngest roster, though. Like, a lot of these guys have been in the league for a few years now. A lot of them already are what they're going to be. Yeah. Like, Lucic is what he's going to be. Nugent Hopkins pretty much is what he's going to be. You know? How much more are you going to get out of Ty Ratty, considering you used to healthy scratch him every fucking night in St. Louis when you were the head coach there? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, what more are you getting out of any of those guys on the back end, really? Bouchard's not even on the team this year. Ethan Bear barely ever plays. So, like, who who is who is he really developing there? Like, nobody. So, I don't know how much more he's really going to get out of this group. Well, if you had, you know, Yamamoto and uh, Puyarvi up, maybe he's got something to develop. But yeah. they're not even with the club anymore. Like, they've sent them back down... That's fine, you know. You got to play the guys that are able to play at that level, but there's nothing really to, for, for Hitch to work with. And not only that, like you look at who he's replacing in Todd McClellan. This isn't a guy that you know doesn't know what he's doing with an NHL roster. He arguably is on track to be a better coach than Ken Hitchcock. Um. Some phenomenal seasons with San Jose in a situation where, again, you know, San Jose had Jumbo Joe and Todd McClellan's brought in to, you know, bring the roster up to speed to play with Jumbo Joe. And I don't think it was a testament to Todd McClellan that he couldn't get the job done in Edmonton. I think Todd McClellan did a damn fine job given the fact that the Oilers traded away a Hart Trophy winner and lost out on all these pieces and try to replace them with, you know, stop gaps along the way and just put all their dice on one player who was 19 years old at the time. It never really made sense to me. Like, I, I don't blame Todd McClellan for anything here. This is, I don't know about you, but this is completely on the on the management side of things in terms of the failures of this team. Completely. Yeah. 100%. I mean... This, this is one of the few times where you see a, a firing and it's very rare that people can't make sense of it. Like, even a lot of firings, you see them, and even with the Quenville firing, there were people that said okay, but there was butting heads and, like, he was old school and all that other shit that wasn't true, but whatever. And, you know, you take that for what it is. I... I don't know anyone that defended this this firing. And if you did, 
I genuinely think that you're an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to go as far as you to say that Todd McClellan did a damn fine job. Because I don't don't know that he did. But I also don't think, like, at the same time, to, to say what you said, too. I also don't think this is a testament to his ability. Like, I agree with that as well. I think he tried to do his best. He maybe could have done better at times, but like, who like who could who's gonna get this team into the playoffs? No one. And you even look at them four years ago. Like I just pulled up their roster from uh, 2015, 2016 when they still had Taylor Hall. They still had Jordan Eberle. They had an 18 year old Connor McDavid. Like I don't understand why when you have McDavid play 45 games that year and he gets 48 points that it makes sense to you to trade one of these other amazing players that you have up front. And this is kind of what concerns me when people start to talk about, now granted we're 10 days away from the deadline here, but people get into discussing about the Leafs trading William Nylander, is the potential of the offense that the Oilers had there is scary to think about Knowing what we know now about Hall, knowing what we know now about McDavid, about Dreisaitl, even Eberle is a nice complimentary fourth piece, you know. And what Trading Hall did was not only not help them on the back end, he's a, he was a detriment last season. He hurt them. Do you remember that, that one play when he bobbled the puck, uh, against the Wild, and Zach Parise came down and, and scored on a breakaway. And, and like, the, the puck was in Larson's feet. And I know 10-year-olds that when the puck's in their feet, they know how to kick it mm-hmm. and track the puck. And Larson's, like, looking around like he's freaking lost out there. And then Parise goes in and scores an easy goal, and the Wild win, like, 3-1 or 2-1 or whatever. Yeah. This is a player that hurts you. Not only does he not even help you, you traded away an MVP player. This is one example where now that was $6 million that you could have paid Taylor Hall to score 30, 40, 50 goals, uh, anywhere from 65 to 100 points for you, playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl, either one. Like, you were basing his production when he got 65 points in 2016. You're basing that off of the fact that he's playing with an 18-year-old on his as his center and then a 19-year-old at other times as his center. Right. Why? Well, like, why would you trade him? So, brings me kind of around to my point here. That is one example of how this management has failed this team. Because you took Taylor Hall's money and you gave it to Milan Lucic to plug that hole. You thought Adam Larson was going to be your replacement on D. And if I am the management there, I don't think there's any way that those guys should be in that lineup next season. If you can get them out this season, great. Like, Lucic is doing some things out there, but for whatever reason, this isn't working. And it might be time to give him a fresh start, too. Lucic is tough, though. I I, I feel like a lot of teams would have taken the same chance on him when the Oilers did. Well, yeah, it 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 was a big deal. Yeah, it was was the biggest signing of that summer. He was the big fish. Yeah, yeah. So biggest name, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if if he doesn't sign, like if he chooses New Jersey or whatever it is, where you know, uh, we're Phil to, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we might be having the same conversation about why the Devils are paying 
Lucic all this money. Granted. But um, Larson, yeah, I, I get it. Like, the whole Eberly Moving Eberly out was a little different. I, I, they were trying to, like, save a little bit of cash, you know. There's only so much money to go around. I get that. You bring in someone younger, a little bit cheaper. Maybe it works out. But Adam Larson, or, uh, yeah, bringing in Adam Larson like they did, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think we all look back on that trade and kind of scratch our heads and you know for years the narrative in Edmonton was you know you got to get a defenseman you got to get a defenseman you got a defenseman well at what point during the three consecutive first overall picks did you not think gee I maybe should trade one of these and I could get some sort of defensive and and not even that like quality. like I said this to you and John today like I don't understand how in 8 years they have not been able to draft more than two productive fucking defensemen. Yeah. How? Like, other teams have nailed a pick or two in the later rounds. You know what I mean? That other teams missed. How have the Oilers not found a kid in eight years to be a decent productive defenseman? They found Nurse, who I think was a first-round pick. Yeah. And they found, uh, who's the other guy I'm Clef looking bomb. for? Clefbaum. Yeah. Who was a, who was a first round pick? Was he first round? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> like that's not finding. Those were those were guys that everyone knew that was on the fucking radar. Yeah. The other first round pick defenseman that they found never played for them. They basically gave up Barzal to get him in Griffin Reinhausen or whatever his name was. I know his name was Reinhardt. Yeah. But. And like to their credit, I'll, I'll say this much: I think Evan Bouchard's the real deal. I think Evan Bouchard's going to turn out to be. Uh, I hope so. A very stable piece. Uh, I, on the I back hope end. so. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like. You're right. Like the incompetency of of their drafting ability is it's almost it's almost impossible. Like to just not get lucky. You yeah, know what I mean, like that's what I mean. Unless, like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they traded away all their fucking late round picks to someone else in the. Ryan Smith dealer. I, I I don't know, but like I don't I don't think I missed them so trading damn away. Long ago too, though. Yeah, like I I don't think I remember. I, I I forget them trading away like ten picks. So something's going wrong. Not only with the management or with the general management, but the scouting, the player development. It's just a top to bottom like fire sale, and you know, to their credit, okay, they haven't had any Uber stories, but. They're almost a worse situation than than what Ottawa's in right now. Yeah, and yeah, because Ottawa has some good young players. Oh yeah, you know, um, yeah, it, it, it's a mess. But uh, I don't get I don't get how you watch Conor McDavid for forty five games in his rookie season, gets hurt, misses half the year, and then you think, well, I guess this doesn't work. Got to blow it all up, right? Well, and. And then even to, to what you're saying, too, about Everly, like, they're trying to save cash. And, like, I understood that at the time. Like, I was actually a, a pro-trade Everly person. And it's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's easy to kind of say these things now. But maybe the better thing would have been to do is to keep Hall with McDavid, have the most lethal line in the, in the NHL, probably, that next year. And then that gives better matchups to Everly and Dreisaitl. And it gives better matchups to Nugent Hopkins. Instead of having to play Dreisaitl on your first line, and Eberle with Nugent Hopkins on the second line, who are not good enough to be the best players on the second line. Right. You need a Dreisaitl there. 
You need a, you know what I mean, someone else who's damn good. And now you're forced to play, Dry Settle doesn't get enough credit, and that's an argument for another day, but, you know, now you're forced to play your only two really good players together on a nightly basis, because, like, what the fuck else are you going to do? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, credit to, to Todd McClellan, honestly, because, uh, well, I, I don't know how the I hell he kept many... his, I don't know how the hell he didn't blow a gasket in, in four years there. But. I don't know how many coaches have gone ten years in the league without ever getting fired. Because he's on a short list in that in yeah. that regard. The coaches are bred to be fired yeah. when they're hired. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, Todd McClellan, um, best of luck moving forward. And I don't think he's going to be out of work for very long. To be yeah, honest with you, because yeah. uh, if things don't work out with Quenville, that might be an option for St. Louis. To be sure. honest with you, the good news yeah. is for for St. Louis anyway is they're not without their options. They got Quenville, McClellan, and and Vino now to all look at uh, as a potential option moving forward, and that's only three. Uh, Barube. <sighs> Man. And uh, you know what, though? What I will say is the NHL can be depressing. And what better way to get away from this depressing minutiae of the NHL's firings and hirings than to maybe take an escape and head on down to Airedale, fishing and hunting. Proud sponsor of this week's episode of Laced Up Colon, a hockey podcast. Our one and only. Our one true love. Well, we only need one, James. That's fair. That's not necessarily true. Uh, located in the bombing... Bombing. <laughs> Balmy. Balming. Yeah, located in the balmy metropolis of Wawa, Ontario, Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience since 1945. They have 18 remote fly-in outpost camps that are all unique, and the fly-in experience help keeps the lake pristine and the fishing extraordinary. Now, James, I got a little quiz for you. Oh, boy. What uh, type of fish can you find at Airedale uh, in the water? Pickerel. Nice. Or, um, as it's also known. Walleye. Yes. Okay, you're one for one. Um, uh, rainbow trout. We'll give it to you. Nice. Nice. Um, blue herring. <laughs> no. Not that I. Not that they've found yet, anyway, I don't think. Uh, you can also find northern pike and perch there. That perch was the same thing as pike. I don't think so. Okay. Not that I... I don't think so. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know my fish. Yeah, well, we'll learn this summer when we're there. Nice, uh... Nice, uh, road trip for the podcast. Nice. Uh, Airedale is open from May 15th to October 31st. Um, so they are closed for the remainder of the year, but it is a good idea to start planning your trip for next year as, uh, you know, you, you want everything to go right. And, uh, they do a great job up there. They accommodate you. They... There's great conditions for you to stay in. They take care of everything. Do we have a promo code for you want, you want things? We don't have a promo code yet. No promo okay. No. Uh, it is a perfect opportunity for a weekend getaway with friends or family to experience wilderness like never before. Visit www.outpostcamps.com for more information and begin planning your trip to Airedale today. Sounds like a great time. It does. See you there. Yeah. Uh, we got to keep moving along here because there's a lot. Uh, Vinny Trocek was uh, stretchered off last night in Ottawa. Remember the Florida Panthers? Uh, if you didn't see it and you're squeamish, 
don't watch it. If you didn't see it and you're not squeamish, uh, maybe still don't watch it. But you, you got to feel bad for a guy like Vinny Trocek, who is a real hard-working, nose-to-the-grindstone, just consummate professional. Um, it's a tough loss for the Panthers, who have been surging lately. You never like to see that for anyone. Um, Sounds like he's out long-term, too. I can't yeah. imagine he's not. Yeah, like, Surgery, it didn't I look good, I, I would think. Yeah, yeah. And, and what was tough about that, too, is that was, like, the day after um, the Alex Smith injury to, uh, of the Washington Redskins, which was one of if not the most gruesome sporting injury I had ever seen. And uh, the next day you see something like that in Trocheck. Like, it's uh, it was a tough couple of days, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You don't see guys get stretched off too often either, no, which is it's tough. Not, yeah, not in our league. And, and not with that type of injury either is the other thing. Like, when they do, it's unfortunate to say, but it's often more like a head injury or uh, yeah. even like a severe back thing. But... Uh, yeah, not not good not good news for the Panthers or for Vinny Trocek. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been playing real well lately, though, so it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of adjust beyond this because he is their second-line center and a good one at that. Uh, I guess Bukestad moves into that spot now, and they're going to have to kind of figure some things out in terms of their depth. be tough. Yeah. It's a tough division this year, apparently. So. Yeah. So, uh, our, yeah, our, our thoughts go out to Vinny Trocek and the Florida Panthers, fans of the Florida Panthers and uh, alike. Um, yeah. Uh, now, they were in Ottawa when this happened. And uh, we'd be... This team gets better and better We wouldn't every be week. fulfilling our every obligation week. if we didn't discuss the... La- this is becoming a segment on the podcast. Let's What's talk the about deal the... with Ottawa? <laughs> What's the deal? <laughs> so Eugene Melnick. So he might have a few burner accounts on okay. Twitter. So to to preface this as quickly as I can, I'm sure many sports fans, probably all sports fans, are aware of the Brian Colangelo scandal in the NBA of a few months ago, where some some reporters were able to. Not confirm, but really pre- prevent present some convincing evidence that Brian Colangelo had multiple burner accounts on Twitter that he was using to uh, fuel his own personal objectives. Colangelo at the time was working for the 76ers. He no longer works there. Uh, now the owner of the Ottawa Senators potentially has kind of done the same thing. But in the way that he did it, if for those of you who didn't read the article, it is on the, ironically enough, Ottawa citizen who, you know, maybe has some ulterior motives. We'll say that, um, you know, the citizen and Eugene Melnick have not exactly been seeing eye to eye the past couple weeks. They are at odds, mm-hmm. but I don't know. They, they've got some pretty strong arguments, I guess, here of, of some interesting evidence nope. that Eugene Melnick or someone in the Senator's organization, very likely has some burner accounts to try to help the reputation of the Senators, but it's almost like instead of having someone with burner accounts, like Colangelo did, and just tweeted out a bunch of things from his phone, that they, like, just bought a bunch of bots to just tweet out random fucking messages, like... No. No. 
the senators don't <laughs> buy things. No, that's true. They don't spend money. Well, it's probably like forty nine cents in in on like some Russian website, forty nine rubles or something. No, Melnick Melnick would would find that the Twitter's free, and he just pay. He he essentially find people that he's already paying to do that job. Fifteen year old intern. Yeah, it, it's it, the messages. If you like, I don't know. Should should I read a few of them? Do you have the Do you have it on your computer? There still. I don't. Well, you don't. I've got the article. Well, base. Okay, yeah. If you could find one of the messages, because it was kind of like reading. It was like reading. You remember when last year when Jay Onright and Dan O'Toole were sending emails to that. Uh, probably fake person Olga. Olga over in Russia yeah and like Dan developed this uh, joke relationship with her and so the tweets and the like the language in the emails sorry that he was getting back were like clearly from someone where their English was not very good and that was kind of like these tweets like these tweets were just such bizarre in their like grammatical nature so uh, from at Ling Evansom which is a, which is of course a real uh, name. Yeah, uh, YouTube Ling. has higher journalistic standards than the Ottawa Citizen and Sun. Hashtag Remove voyeurs. Yeah, hashtag voyeurs, which you know of course makes all the sense. Uh, another one uh, at Jacqueline Crow Wallet. Uh, question to the Citizen and the Sun: Fans want to know why did you betray the city, the team, and Eugene Milnick? Also. Did the Uber driver benefit financially from the exchange? I think YouTube has higher journalistic standards than the Ottawa Citizen and Sun. <laughs> Hashtag voyeurs. Hashtag voyeurs. That's a very, uh, it's a very specific point that they both made about YouTube and. Well, but don't worry. I'm sure there's sub- like different points though. Like, uh, for example, Bella Dodmull. <laughs> There's one vowel in that seven-letter last name. Uh, so sick of the hateful media in Ottawa. YouTube has higher journalistic standards than the Ottawa Citizen. Hashtag voyeurs. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? Like, this isn't a coincidence. Eugene Melnick figured out what Control-C did, and then yeah. immediately figured out what Control-V oh did. Oh my god. And... You just figured this no one would is, notice. This is insane. What is happening? Yeah. What's happening to this know. league? At this point, I just assume everyone's got like eight burner accounts. And Even yeah. if they do, though. So, this is like if you are you were watching... Like, who's a stupid TV character on a show that's on... Like, like, the show that's on TV. Like, who's an idiot? This is like if... For lack of a better comparison, like... On that '70s show, if they heard something about this, like say, like that character dynamic, and they, they were like alive today, this would be something that like Kelso would see, and he'd be like, "Oh, that's awesome!" and he'd go and do this and just fuck it up royally and not get the point of of this activity they're engaging in. Fair enough. Or like Joey from Friends, like again, like wouldn't get it. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. It's it. Or like Tim from Home Improvement. Tim from Home Improvement. <laughs> Phil Dunphy, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like, yeah, it's just... It's such a weird way to go about a thing that's already weird to begin with. Yeah. Like, he can't even fuck up properly. True. He can't even be an asshole properly. And it brings me back to... I don't even know if I talked about this on the podcast the last few weeks, but that story about how, apparently, when Brent Wallace asked 
Eugene Melnick about withholding checks from his employees, because I don't know if you know, folks, that's a thing that apparently Eugene Melnick has done. Mm. Uh, Brent Wallace asked him about it when the cameras were on, and once the cameras turned off, Eugene Melnick turned to Brent Wallace and reportedly said, I'm going to fucking bury you. Like, Interesting. How is this Eugene Melnick going to bury him? Like, what? What is he? Is he, like, bringing flaming dog, like, flaming bags of dog shit and lighting it on fire outside Brent Wallace's front door, and that's his idea of, like, because that is the equivalent of this. Now he sends his 15-year-old intern to do that, actually. Yeah, exactly, and they just laugh in the bushes, like, <laughs> it's like them two and Borvietsky's no. driving the car, he's driving the getaway car. <laughs> no, the, the intern is definitely at the point now where he's just going, why are you making me do this, Mr. Oh, Melnick? God, because it's fun! It's fun! We're gonna get these fuckers, like, what are you talking about, Eugene? Yeah. Nobody's nobody was out to get you. You started all of this. Yeah. Like, uh anyway, Eugene Melnick bad at the internet. Apparently he's on the internet. Uh what else is going on? Oh, back to the Oilers. God, I should have I should have put this uh The Edmonton Oilers traded Ryan Strom. The key piece. To the Jordan Everly deal. Uh they traded him. To the New York Rangers for Ryan Spooner. Sure. The weird thing about this, because it it it's so dumb, because Strom was your return for Everly. Now that said, I like this deal for Edmonton. Yeah, so do I. But when you compare it to the Everly deal, yeah. it looks so much fucking worse. Yeah. Like they can't even win the trade right. Because you compare it to the fact that this was supposed to your, be your return. Like, I think Spooner's going to do fine there. I honestly think Ryan Spooner's probably a 50-point guy. The problem with Ryan Spooner from, again, this is not directly from me, but from what I've heard, uh, Spooner's a bit of a prick and not a great guy in the room. And not a lot of guys like him. So I don't know if he's the right guy for well, this team. The good news Granted, there, I've heard the same thing about Duchesne, and Duchesne's doing fine in Ottawa right now. The good news there is that you know the new coach isn't going to you know, take any crap from Spooner. So Yeah, how much longer do you think until Spooner gets traded for Griffin Reinhardt on another team yet? Griffin Reinhardt, maybe? No. Hitch will never still let there. that happen. Is he still there? No. Is he still in Edmonton? I don't think so. Um, Didn't Vegas take him in the expansion draft? Yeah, maybe. He's probably back in Edmonton on like a two-way deal oh, or I something. See. Eh? I see. Yeah, I don't know. You liked it, though? Oh, yeah. Like, the one-for-one. One, like, if, if you can, you know, box out the Eberly trade narrative, I think the trade's fine. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't really know what the Rangers think they're getting out of Strom now on his third well, team. Well, my, my thought on this was I think this was potentially something to do with off-ice. Like, I think maybe just the Oilers, yeah. or sorry, the Rangers would just prefer a guy who's going to come in and work hard and get along and be a good guy in the room uh, because it outweighs, like, what they were actually getting from Spooner on the ice. You know what I mean? So that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think Spooner Spinner... wasn't having a very good year there, right? Like Spooner yeah. only had two points this season. It'll be fine. But yeah, I don't know. He had a, he had a good. Uh, he was really good when he got there last year, and I think he's got some uh, some capabilities that uh, I don't know. Might compliment the Oilers well. Yeah, I think I think so. Second line guy. Yeah. Even honestly, even potentially first line with McDavid because he can skate. He's got some hands. Like yeah. we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, I don't hate it. So, uh, good for the, the Oilers managed to not fuck up a move this week, but 
they had fucked it up so long ago that it doesn't matter. So, now here's one that I think maybe you might have some hard opinions on. Uh, which is the Josh Morrissey fine. Yeah. Um, don't really get it. Um, I didn't really see anything wrong with the play itself. Um, kind of goes back to the, uh, the hit on, uh, Pedersen that we saw a few weeks back where like it was, it was the shove at the end that I think drew the most, uh, ire. Well, that's uh, all it was. The Pedersen hit. Hey, in, the in both thing, hits, I think that's all it was because even Morrissey, like, I don't even, I don't even think there was a hit to the Morrissey part of it. I think Morrissey just threw him to the ice. I thought. Like, I don't even, Morrissey kind of just more or less, like, held him against the boards, kind of. To me, I saw a play where Morrissey hit the guy, and... Did he hit him okay? They both lost their balance, and Morrissey just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. you know, didn't didn't just let him, like, like oh, I'm going to hold you and make sure you're okay when you hit the ice. Like, they're both going down. Maybe Morrissey, you know, leading into it a little bit on the way down. But, who cares? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a hockey play, it's... What was the fine? Eighty-eight hundred bucks, I think. Uh, I didn't see the number. Yeah, I just, I just like, I was more worried about. It was a max fine suspended. anyway. It was the maximum amount that they could have fined him for okay. said play. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like it. I don't really get it. Okay. Well, you're happy at least he didn't get suspended. That's I would. I would be much more furious if he got yeah. suspended because I, I look at those two hits and I don't see that much similarity in the two plays, and the one guy got suspended of was it two games. Matheson got two games. Yeah. Yes, and so even if even if you want to give Morrissey one, I, I don't agree with that. So okay, I don't know. Good on him for not getting suspended, I guess, but you shouldn't have even been fined, as far as I'm concerned. So okay, yeah, I, don't know. I thought you were going to yell and throw things, maybe, but if he was suspended, this might be a different a different topic. different Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. That would have been the lead the lead for this week's uh, episode, not yeah. not buried away towards the end. But that's the thumbnail of the uh, episode photo. We have photos for episode? No, we don't. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, should we start? No. I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't just, want that. It's literally just going to be us sitting here, and it will be a picture of us whatever, wearing something different maybe every week. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. No. No. Okay. Well, um, so we're going to do one more little activity, I think. Before we finish up, American Thanksgiving sort of marks the quarter point of the of the season, but in a much more important sort of sense, it sort of marks, I guess, it tends to be the playoffs. Yeah, like the teams, the teams yeah. that are in the playoffs at this point, uh, on average, there is, I think the number is three teams on average end up missing the playoffs that were in a playoff position as of this weekend every year. Which, that's insane that that continues to happen. Now, I get it. Like, there are teams like the Panthers who who are playing really well right now, but, like, the Panthers dug themselves into such a hole to start the year that if all the teams in front of them play at a certain pace... Like, the Panthers will have to play at, like, a 110-point pace to make the playoffs at this point this year. Right. And granted, the last few weeks, they're playing, like, a President's Trophy winning team. But, I mean, can they continue that? Like, is this a hot streak? Are they going to continue to ride it? So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through some of these things, talk about where some teams are at, and uh, in a few minutes or less, sort of discuss, is it the real deal? 
or not. We'll call it uh, deal or no deal. Uh huh. <laughs> no good. We gotta hire a new marketing guy. Okay, real real deal. The real deal named James Neal. Real deal or James. What, Neal. what would it be if it's not the real deal? We'll just James say not. Neal. We'll just say not the real deal. James Neal. Okay, so okay, so if it's the <laughs> if we buy it. If we think it's it's good and it's true and this is a true reflection Sold. of this thing, it is the real deal. And if it's if it's not, if it's fake, if if this is not going to be the way things are by the end of the year for this topic, uh, then it's James Neal. Yeah. Okay. So, are the penguins the real deal, or are the penguins James Neal? <laughs> that was an interesting way to to start because now I'm a little confused. Are you are you saying that the penguins are a last place team? <laughs> Yeah, are they are they bad or not? No. Okay. No. Um, sure, you work, sir. The, I don't know. Like you, the division just doesn't offer up enough competition to keep the Penguins where they are. Like I'm sure we'll get to a few of these other teams at some point. But I look at I look at the uh, the Metro, and there's at least three teams, maybe four, that I feel will be below the Penguins um, come playoff time. I don't know if the Penguins have left themselves enough room to make the playoffs. That's going to be a tough, a tough get, because um, they're kind of in the same situation as Florida, where they got to play at a crazy pace from here on out to come within shooting distance of the playoffs. So, I don't think the playoffs should be a guarantee for the Penguins. However, I think they're a much better team. I think they're a team that's kind of stumbled out of the gate for whatever reason. Um, you know, they lost Murray there for a bit. Uh, when Murray's been back, I don't even know if he's been fully healthy. Because he's, he still doesn't really seem like, you know, himself. So, if, if Murray can right the ship in net, um, you got to figure there's enough pieces around them to to start putting together a better season. Tanner Pearson, I think, adds a, an element that the Penguins haven't had uh, for a couple seasons. Whether that translates to being a good thing or not, time will tell. But uh, at this point, no, I, I I don't think the Penguins are a last place in the division type of team. So, the big thing for me is what what the hell's going on in net, and I I I don't know. Like I don't know what to. Do you think Matt Murray is an eight seventy seven goalie? I don't. And then why has he been one? You know what I mean. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Matt Murray's he's he's tough because he's he's a young guy. Um, also, my Vesna Trophy pick for this year. Okay. So that, um, that looks like that ship has sailed. Yeah, like he's still only twenty four. Which, when it comes to goaltending, that's that's still pretty young. Like some guys don't make their debuts till they're twenty five, twenty six. And you know, as as the years go on, and hindsight becomes more evident. We can have these types of conversations, but I don't want to. I don't want to panic because I'm not. I, I think Matt Murray's, you know, the 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 real deal. But um, there may come a time where we're asking ourselves, like, is is Matt Murray good enough to be a starter? Because you look at his body of work in his, in his career, he hasn't been a full time starter all that often. Like the years they won the cups, like sure, like he had a couple great like playoff runs. But so did Cam Ward, you know. So did Anthony Emmy. Um, goaltending is voodoo. 
There's no guarantees when it comes to goaltending in the NHL. Oh, God. And you just compare Matt Murray to Cam Ward. I'm saying that all you know, bets are off. When you know, you know what the problem is with comparing Matt Murray? Well, not the problem, but the scary thing about comparing him to Cam Ward? Hmm. You know who Cam Ward's general manager was, eh? Yeah. Hey, Matt, do you want a Werther's original? Jim. No, Jim, I want some fucking defense is what I want, but... Uh, so you are saying the Penguins will come back to life and make the playoffs? No, I don't think they make the playoffs. Oh, okay. No, I, I, well, I think they... Okay, but, but that means that this is the real deal is what you're saying. No, I'm saying that the Penguins are not a last place in the division type of team. I'm saying that there's four oh, okay, teams okay, that no, should be ahead of. So, so what I mean, do you buy it that they're going to miss the playoffs? Was more so because they're sitting out of a playoff spot. That's what I was. Uh, okay. I, 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 they're, oh god, they're not the same fucking team they used to be. Dear God, no. I, I, I don't think that's even debatable. But I'm just saying, do you think they'll miss the playoffs? Like, is this the part that? That's the part that I find surprising. I not the winning the division. They're not. They're not going to win that division again. I don't think. Oh no, I just don't think that they're a last place in the division type of team either. Okay, they're somewhere in the but middle. They miss the playoffs. Probably. So the struggle is real. Maybe. So this is the real deal. It's the real deal unless they get James Neal type of play when James Neal was a penguin. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. Mike Smith, is is the struggle real? Um, yes. So you think it's over for Mike Smith? It's close to over. Yeah. Um, he should probably be considered some sort of you know 1a 1b situation i don't think teams should be relying on him well, for a, a I, starter i don't know if you granted you know he's looked pretty good but granted i, I don't know if you can sit here and, and call david riddick a, a bona fide number one quite yet he's been great like oh, yeah. really good but uh i just don't know if we've seen enough from him and We've seen him in his short time look not great. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a 1A, 1B situation. But I think it's pretty clear at this point Mike Smith is 1B, and I think he is. I think he's going to remain to be 1B the rest of the year. Uh, I think his time as a legitimate starting goaltender in the league is, is done. No, I, I, like, credit to him. He was, he was a good story. Um yeah. Years of, of turmoil in Arizona. I uh, was really happy to see him get a fresh start in Calgary. Uh, it just hasn't worked out, you know. Like maybe he just isn't the goalie we all thought he was, or maybe he was and it's it's, it's done now. But it's with, with Riddick playing the way he is, you can't not play Riddick. And if and when Riddick comes back to Earth, I think you got a tough choice to make. But if if you're sitting there and Mike Smith's your backup goalie for the rest of the year, I think you're doing okay like i think that's a good option to have is mike smith is your backup like there's nothing he'll get it together a bit you think yeah yeah uh if he doesn't have to be the guy i relied on every single night night in night out like i think you're okay yeah yeah part of me wonders if he's hurt yeah and they're just yeah it's just an like a like a strained hamstring that's just not gonna go away nagging and they just are not gonna sit him for whatever reason yeah uh i don't know it, well, I, I think if if Riddick plays this way for another couple weeks and Smith has another bad start, I'd be curious to see if, if Smith hits the IR and see what happens there. I don't and know. they recall Tyler Parsons or John Gillies or something and yeah. just 
ride it through Christmas and see in the new year, Mike Smith. So you're looking. And we'll see how it goes. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. But I think, the honestly, the more time he spends not hitting the IR concerns me even more. Because if he's not hurt, I don't know what else to say about Mike Smith at this point. Age comes for us all, Brutes. Yep. Okay, uh, so the struggle is real for is. Mike Smith. It's the real deal. It is. Okay. Uh, the Habs. Are the Habs for real, or are they James Neal? This is... Probably one of the tougher Confusing ones segment. we're going to talk about. Um, so, yeah, this is. The, I think this is the tough one. I don't know what the hell to make of this team because because like, even the Senators, I kind of get this. I don't understand at all. Eleven at six all. and four with the Habs. Um, now they're getting some production out of it's guys up front that um, I, I don't think anyone really saw coming. Like Domi's having a great year. Like. I remember the beginning of the year we were talking about that Galchenyuk Domi trade, and I still think that's one of the worst trades I've ever sure. seen. And Do- Domi's been great. Oh, like I still look at that and I'm like, what the hell? He's surpassed his total. I'm still last year waiting for him to come back down to earth, and I don't know if it's going to happen. Here's the problem: Carey Price hasn't been Carey Price, and if Carey Price starts to pull himself back together a little bit, even marginally. Uh, this team is looking dangerous. Yeah. If the pieces that are excelling start to come back to earth and Carey Price returns to where he should be, then they'll just, they'll, you know, they'll stay, they'll, you know, ride it out. They'll be just as good as they were as they are now. I don't, I don't understand it because I think in everyone's, season predictions they were talking about like yeah you know the Habs you know they probably won't be very good unless Carey Price has another you know heart season type of season Carey Price doesn't have to have a heart season season anymore like he, he can just be fine he can be average he can be just you know an everyday goaltender not be superhuman Vesna winning gold medalist Carey Price and this team can make the playoffs this team will make the playoffs if if everything stays the way it is and or Carey Price improves his own level of play. But I think this is a James Neal situation. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll i confess that I've watched less Montreal this year than a typical year. I'll watch them when they're on, and, and I'll be honest with you too, a lot of it is because I think their roster is not good. There have been years where I've thought it's not good, but it's like, it's good enough, I'll watch it. You know what I mean? Price is something to watch, you know. But if Price isn't good, and Max Domi's your best player, that's not a draw for me as a as a non-Montreal fan. Like, I could care less. I'm not interested. Because here's the thing. Max Domi is on pace to score 100 points. I don't know if that happens. It's, yeah. <laughs> Call me crazy, James. I don't think it's going to happen. Now, it could. It won't. He's played very well. Um, I think Max Domi's going to finish at about 60 to 65 points. Perfect. And that means he's going to get... We're, we'll, we'll, I'll go high here. We'll say he gets 40 points. That puts him at 65 points. Over the next 61 games. That is by far your best offensive player. 
that is not good enough. So unless Carey Price turns it around, the thing is, is the Habs, the way that we see them now, it's not sustainable. So if the Habs do make the playoffs, which is possible at this point, they've got themselves a real nice head start. Yeah, It's not going to be the way the Habs are right now. They're going to be a different team by the end of the year uh, if they make the playoffs. Might be the same personnel. It's just they're going to have to play a different way. Yeah, They're going to need to get contributions from somewhere else. Now, what I will say is positive for Montreal. One thing I think will happen as the year goes on. I think you're going to get more from Kak and the Emmy. I think he's going to start producing at a bit of a higher pace here. Uh, like, I could see him putting up at a, about 50 points this year. He's not at a, he's not at that pace right now. Uh, I could see that happening. There's one Tatar, good... Tatar, I could see getting maybe 30 goals, to be honest with you. Yeah. There's one big factor in play here, too, for the Haps that's working to their advantage. What's that? Is that right now the Bruins and the Lightning are both decimated with injuries. Like, missing some big, big pieces of their rosters. And... The emergence of Buffalo has been a little bit of, of a surprise. So, if Boston and Tampa start to come down the standings because they can't, you know, plug all the holes in the boat that's sinking because they're beat up and, you know, Montreal has an opening. They, they could make a move there. They could slip into that top three in the standings, potentially in the division, and just make the playoffs uh, based on other teams just not, you know, succeeding and that's not to say that the Canadians are a good team or that they earn it it just means that they had the right set of circumstances fall into their lap and they took advantage and there's nothing wrong with that like that that happens sometimes Mm -hmm. and teams teams can win that way but I don't know it's I'm not saying they'll miss the playoffs but I don't think that this team is the real deal I stand by my my preseason predictions maybe not in the order they finish in I think four teams from this division make the playoffs. I still think it's Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston, and Buffalo. Fair enough. So, I am, I am unfortunately not buying. And the Montreal Canadiens. I think they are not the real deal. They are James Neal. Yeah. Um. Okay. Who? Who? What did I have next here? My next one was going to be Jeff Skinner. But let's just make this a little bit more broad. Are the Buffalo Sabres the real deal? Yes. You think so? Oh, yeah. Show your work, sir. Well, I don't... I don't... don't, Everyone's talking about how this is some sort of big surprise. I don't don't think that it is. Jack Eichel went second overall uh, behind Conor McDavid for a reason, okay? He's a phenomenal hockey player who just had... Has had some injury troubles in his career and has never really been able to get going. Um, to their credit, the Sabres have finally gone out and put some pieces around them that can play Jeff Skinner being the most obvious. So to, to be clear here, because you were an advocate at one point of the show me a full season, Jack Eichel, you have now, you've now seen enough Eichel where you're, you're buying it now. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just to be um, clear. Cause you did state before this, this year that you were not buying Eichel. Not that I wasn't buying Eichel, just that I don't think there was enough of him in a full season to say that he could take the Sabres to the playoffs. I mm-hmm. still don't know that there okay. is, but I think he's a phenomenal hockey player. If he's playing elsewhere, I think we're having a different discussion on Jack Eichel. But yeah. he is where he is. 
He's doing great. Um, Skinner, you know, he's come in. He's he's done a phenomenal yeah, job. I, I loved that trade from the moment they made it. I thought that was an unbelievable trade for Buffalo. And, and good for Jeff Skinner. Uh, the challenge is going to be whether or not they can get him locked down into a contract. Um, I think. Anyway, I could be wrong. I thought he was a free agent uh, this summer. but the, the only part that scares me about this team, and I made mention to it before the season, is I'm curious yeah, to last, see... Last year for, uh, for Skinner. Okay. So he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. I'm curious to see what the goaltending looks like come January, February. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. Unfortunately, um, Hutz has been good. Yeah, he's not been great. He's been okay. Now, one thing I will say about Hutz's numbers: Hutz is posting Frederick Anderson of last year numbers, basically. Yeah. Like he's around, he's at lower GAA, and I think the same save percentage, maybe a clip or two lower, but um, like he's been good. Yeah, but it, it's I get it. He's been a backup long enough that it's it's easy to have those concerns. As much as I kind of made fun of you to start the year, like I don't disagree with you necessarily there either. We're, we're getting into that territory now where he's going to be approaching that you know season high games played type of scenario. Um. He's not old, but mm-hmm. he's not young. Um, if he gets hurt because he's maybe being worked too much, come January, February, like the, you know those those dog days of the season. Yeah, they got to figure out what they have in Allmark. Yeah, who's been good as well? Yeah, no, he's been good as well. Fine, but... his body of work hasn't been too extensive. Mm-hmm. You know, he's clearly the backup. He's been fine when he's been called upon, but that is my big concern because uh, I I could see a scenario where if. You know, Hutton goes down even for a week or two. Mm-hmm. You might have some real concerns in keeping the momentum going. So the Sabres, uh, as of right now, are on pace to get over 100 points. Uh, but do you buy them as a playoff team? Are they the real deal or are they James Neal? I think you did say they were the real deal. But I think they're <laughs> the real You gotta make deal. a final. I think they're the real deal. I, um... I do too. I'm I'm still thinking the Atlantic only sends three teams. I don't know if they're one of those three. Okay. But they're looking good. Six-team so winning streak right now. So you Quite think, it, worst case scenario, they miss the playoffs like last day of the season? I think they're Roughly. in it right till the yeah. last week or so. Yeah. One thing for me, like quick last point I'm going to make too. I, I think the bigger difference makers, they, they finally, Sam Reinhardt is finally Sam Reinhardt. It's looking good. Um, You know. You'd like a little bit more out of him, maybe, but you'll take that compared to what you thought you might get out of him this year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Reinhardt's been been better, so that's good. Uh, the <laughs> the uh, the eleven eight and two New York Rangers eleven eleven eight and three eleven eight and two. Why do I have eleven eight and three? Eleven eight and two New York Rangers. Uh, they are. Uh... They are the James Neal of the Metro. Nice. You're not buying it. Nope. Okay. Not buying it. Show your work, sir. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist has been great. Um, as well, in terms of compared to his last couple seasons, he's playing a little bit above where I think he should be. Um, Georgiev has proved to not be a <laughs> superb backup option. Alexander Alexander Georgiev. I'm sure he'll be fine, you know, 
uh, as an NHL goalie down the road. But you know, 22, he's still pretty young, um, and it's it's showing. Lungfist, he's 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 same age as Mike Smith. He's a better goalie than Mike Smith. He always has been. Um, I don't know. I I think he's going to come back down to reality a little bit. I think we're looking more at a a 905 type of goalie than a 919, 920. And I just don't see enough people. Like Chris Kreider is leading this team in points. Well, what I will say about Kreider is Kreider, like, they've been waiting for this from Kreider for a long time. Have they? Yeah. Like, this is the player that Kreider was supposed to be when they drafted him. Uh. Was they Chris Kreider, when he was drafted, was thought to be the next Rick Nash. And all Kreider has been since he's been drafted is Rick Nash in New York, not Columbus Rick Nash, which is what they thought they were getting. Like, Kreider has not been... He's been a 40- to 50-point guy his whole career. That's not what they thought he would be. He's got the speed, but he just hasn't shown the ability to finish. He's showing it so far this year. And to me, I don't know if it's sustainable at the the pace he's doing it, because he's on pace for 40 goals. But I, I think if you get 30 from Kreider, that's a huge thing because, uh, like, look, I've long been an advocate for, for Mika Zibanejad. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. I think he's a top 20 centerman in the league. He's proved it so far this year. He's been fantastic. Uh, Neil Pionk has been just ridiculous so far and, and is an emerging star on that blue line. Uh, I don't know. I, I think... I think it's good. What what hurts them, and it's kind of interesting to say, is their depth on D is not great because after Shea and Pionk, uh, you've got black holes like, and again, I can't believe I'm saying this, Kevin Shattenkirk, Mark Stahl, and uh, and Brendan Smith, who have not been amazing. Um, but you know what? They've, they've been good enough. Uh, I think in your world where the Penguins missed the playoffs... Um, well, in my world, to be clear, I, I think they might miss the playoffs too. But I think someone's got to make the playoffs in that division. And I think the three teams that are in a playoff spot now in that division are going to be three of the four teams that make it, for sure. Here's my big problem with the Rangers. Okay. They've had a really easy schedule. Okay, that's possible. Their opponents have not been what you'd call threatening. Well, one thing you have to say about the Rangers, too, is they're 3-5-2 and two away from home, which is not good. 4-0 and oh in shootouts, which is kind of a luck stat it's at this point. 8-3 yeah. and three at home. Like, I don't know how sustainable the home record, the shutout re- or the shootout records are. Uh, granted, if you're getting Lundqvist playing the way he is, maybe the shootout record is sustainable. But right. they're 8-1-1 one one in their last 10. It's hard for a bad team to go on a streak like that, I think, is one thing. So, uh, I don't know. I buy them. I think they're the real deal. You think they are James Neal? I think they're James Neal. Okay. I think this next month is really going to see them face a lot of tough teams. And if, if if they hold out, maybe we're having a different conversation around New Year's. But mm-hmm. I'm not, not sold yet. Okay. Uh, I have one more real deal or James Neal for you, James. And uh, it goes to the... Oh, my God. The... What are they? 12-5-2, did I read that correctly? The 12-7-2 Minnesota Wild. Are they the real deal? Do you think they're a playoff team? Or are they James Neal, 
and they're going to collapse on themselves like a dying star. The Wild have uh, long been a team that I have a hard time reading. Um, yeah, and no, no harder than this year because this was the year that I thought was time to start the rebuild. Yeah, well, you you may not be wrong, but when you know you see Chicago and St. Louis at the bottom of the division for the first time ever, um, I think maybe it's worth saying, "Hold on a second, <laughs> let's give this one more crack," because mm-hmm. this is an opportunity that they've been given. Yeah, they've got two of their biggest rivals that they've really struggled to get by, not only in the season but in the playoffs, at the bottom of this division. Chicago and who? Oh, St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. You've got who you expect at the top. you got Winnipeg and Nashville up there. Comfortable. Okay? No worries. So now you're talking two other teams that you got to handle to get into the playoffs. Not a big task. They're good teams. Okay? Colorado, as dangerous as they come, those two kids they got up front working magic left and right, I think, I think they'll be fine. Colorado. Dallas is tricky, okay? Dallas is, has shown this season that they've got a lot of flaws, but when they address the flaws and they can play the system and they get Ben going and they get Sagan going, they look like a real dangerous team. So Minnesota sitting third in this division is not a surprise to me, but I don't know if they stay there all year. I'm going to call them the real deal right now. But to me, the real deal for Minnesota is a wild card team, fourth place in this division. Um, okay. I. They're tough. So. You talk about three teams maybe missing the playoffs that are in a playoff spot at American Thanksgiving. And I think, and this is maybe a, maybe the bolder prediction is not even the Minnesota part of this, but is the other part of this. I think every team in the West that's in the playoff spot right now is going to make the playoffs. I think Minnesota's the only one that doesn't. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, look, I I can't imagine anyone's going to find a way to shut down Colorado's top line this season. I just don't think it's going to happen. Provided those guys stay healthy, it is it's impossible. Like they they have two of the best players in the world on that line. They're they're unbelievable. Rantanen is is ridiculous. Uh, Dallas has been has been losing games they shouldn't be losing. And to me, I think they're going to be able to sustain it. The only other question mark I would say, like, I think the Flames make the playoffs, honestly. Oh, yeah. I think well, San Jose is going to make the playoffs. Uh, Nashville makes playoffs. Winnipeg makes playoffs. Colorado makes playoffs. I think Dallas makes the playoffs. Vancouver is maybe the only other one because, like, they are below 500 is the other thing. And Someone's got to finish third in the Pacific. Look, That's like, yeah. this, is, this is an argument for a different podcast. If it were up to me, if I'm Anaheim, I'm, I'd fire Randy Carlisle a month ago. Well, probably two years ago, but I'd fire him. And I think that's a playoff team, but they're probably not going to make the playoffs now. 
Um, so I think the door is open for Vancouver to do it, but I honestly think Arizona is going to be that other playoff team. I think they're going to catch fire and find a way in. And so you're going to see four and four from each division. It's going to be Nashville, Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, and it's going to be Calgary, San Jose, Vancouver, and Arizona. So you got Minnesota missing the playoffs then? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sorry. Really? Yeah. I think they're the only... So that I, didn't, I don't know if I made that clear. I think they're the only team in a playoff spot now in the West, other than maybe Vancouver, that doesn't make the playoffs. Hmm. So I do not think they're the real... They are the James Neal's... Uh, that's fair. Yeah. I, I just see the, a team that's banked kind of enough points where the other division's kind of weak and maybe they can't afford to send two or four teams is all. Like I see the, I can see the Central grabbing both wildcard spots is what I'm saying. I think if the Coyotes can go on a similar run that they did in the second half last year that they were not bad enough in the first half this year for that to hurt them. And so I think they make the playoff. Like, they've only played 19 games. They got 19 points and they they were dog shit the first five games of the year. Right. Lots of lots of dog poop references this week. Sure. Yep. Uh, but anyway, I think Arizona makes playoffs. I, don't, I think Minnesota doesn't. I think Minnesota is the James Neal. Uh, and the only thing, I will put it on record, uh, that is going to help them make the playoffs is Devin Dubnik continuing to be Devin Dubnik. And they need a lot of 35-year-olds to continue doing what they're doing. And I don't love the second part of that. As good as those guys are. Yep. Parise's looks like Zach Parise again. Suter's been great. Koivu's been great. Eh. Father Time, I think, will catch up with them a little bit of, a little bit for each of them. And it's gonna be just enough. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Well we're gonna go we're gonna forego the top ten this week. Yeah. Um just Change just, it up, you know. Yeah, well we had a lot of other stuff to talk about. We don't want to bore you. Uh we'll be back with one next week. We'll do something next week for you. Yeah. I've got a, uh, a roster game for oh, you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot we were going to do that. Yeah. All right, let's do it. I got a, I got a good my one. laptop. I got a good one for you. All right. In, the, in the spirit of the coaching changes that we've experienced. Oh, please don't be an Oilers roster. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Actually, you that'd be good. to give me uh, the roster of the last team Ken Hitchcock had to come in midseason and take over for. Huh. The year he won his Jack Adams trophy. Huh. The 2011-2012 St. Louis Blues. I don't remember any of that. Now, you're already off to a bad start because we've given away the head coach. I can't guess the head coach. However, I might be able to get the staff a little bit. He did replace another head coach, so that, that option is oh, there. Oh, God, I don't fucking remember. And uh, there's a couple others on the list, but um, yeah, 32 guys on this team. Let's uh, let's see how many Brutes can get. Okay, well, David Backus. Led the team at points. Uh, Alex Steen. Uh, Alex Steen was there. Yeah, I, I played half a year. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, eh. yeah, I know for a fact he was there. He's been there for a million years. Um, I think that's pre Pareko, so I'm not going to say that. Uh, Petrangelo. Petrangelo was there. T.J. Oshi. T.J. Oshi tied with Backus for the team leading points. Nice. Um, I also think that's what is 2012 is the year, 11 12. Yeah, huh. Brian Elliott, 
Elliot. Uh, Brian Elliot is correct. Uh, really tempted to guess Andy McDonald, but I don't know if I want to pull the trigger on that. Uh, Jay Bowmeister. Not yet? Too early? Uh, Jay Bowmeister is incorrect. Okay. Uh, who did he replace? Or who else was on the staff? Uh, Andy Murray? No, sir. Who the hell was the head coach of that team? Uh, a guy by the name of Davis Payne. I kid you not. Coached three years in the NHL, all for the St. Louis Blues as a head coach. This was his final straw. I believe he is an assistant now in... New Jersey? I, I don't know where he is. I know he was a long-time Blues assistant before that, though. That's fair. But, um, yeah, oh well. What are you going to do? What did I get, five? You got five out of 32. Was Andy McDonald on the team? He was on the team. Son he of a bitch. Played 25 games that year. Led them in points. Got 100, <laughs> 100 points in those 25 almost, games. Almost point per game. Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah. Uh, you missed uh, notable names such as Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, uh, David Perron, Patrick Berglund, Jason Arnott, Chris Stewart. Jamie Langenbrunner, who I think was the captain that year. I could be wrong. Was the uh, captain of the Blues? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, weird, weird flex, but okay. Sure. Vlad Sabotka, uh, Carlo Koliakovo, Barrett Jackman. Ah, oh, Carlo! Roman Polak, Chris Russell, uh, Thunder Bay native Chris Porter. Nice. Uh, Thunder Bay native Taylor Chorney. Nice. Um, and that's pretty much uh, about it. Jake Allen played in the playoffs, not the regular season, and Yaroslav Halak was the starting goaltender. Huh. Neat. Yeah. The more you know. So that's the uh, roster game. That's it. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in, folks. That's Laced Up for this week. Um, follow us on Twitter, if you haven't already, at, at Laced Up Pod. Like us on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Spotify. Or Spotify. Clomper. Uh, your Clomper. favorite podcast app. Um, so we'll be out early this week, and we should be again next week, I think, was a thing, too. Oh, right. Oh, Yo, yeah, you're going to the game next I'm weekend. I'm out of town next nice. weekend. Yes, That's cool. Going to go see a little Hawk Night in Canada in, uh, in America. In America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, first, uh, the first appearance that the Minnesota Wild have made on Hockey Night in Canada against the Toronto Maple Leafs. In Minnesota. Next Saturday night. Look for me. Forever. I'll, That's I'll, the first I'll time ever. I'll up pod sign. I'll wave at the crowd. Ooh, nice yellow piece of Bristol board up oh. against the glass, eh? All my fans can cheer me on. Which player on either team do you think, like, if you were up against the glass and showed that, would, like, give you some sort of, like, a reaction? Like, who's, like, who would be the, like, the guy who'd be like, oh, nice, or something like that? Funny, funny guy? Yeah. Um, uh, Ron Hainsey? Is that any, Ron... That was like the like the last guy I was thinking. Really? I thought you were gonna say like Mitch Marner or who's cool on the wild. Do they have anyone cool that's not like a dinosaur, like someone young and hip and fun? Eric Snack. Is he fun? I think so. Sounds fun. It's a fun name to say. You know who would be Nick? C- no, Dumba. It'd be Dumba. Dumba's cool. Sure. I think I think Dumba's cool. How many, should, I, should I ask Kyle Dubas if I see him uh, if if he's here? He'd to scout, be the guy. He's yeah, here to scout he'd any be the guy. Wild defenseman for a potential. You should tell Kyle trip. Dubas that he's been mentioned on our podcast like four hundred hey, times. Kyle, I've got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I get a quote? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Could you just say uh, I'm Kyle Dubas and you're listening to the Laced Up podcast into my oh, cell phone? Oh God, here? that'd be awesome. Yeah. 
We if could, I get that, the chance. That would be our soundbite every, well, not every week. It would get stale every week. We interviewed but. your former uh, uh, player, Cody Fraser. Who? <laughs> yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Da, da, da. <laughs> Can you please make the outro the home improvement theme this week? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's laced up for this week. Thanks, folks. Huh?